Amen. Amen. You may be seated except for Edwin, Oscar, uh, Edward, and Cristobal. If you four would make your way up. Come on, you four. You four. Edward, Oscar, Cristobal. So you guys right now can start clapping because this is Cristobal who broke his back. You guys up here with me. Up here with me. And uh, Stacy, I'm going to ask you to pray. Um, so these golf tees are an illustration. Yes, I wanted golf tees, but they're also an illustration that God tees things up for us. If we will trust him and pray, he will give us miracles that we can talk about. Cristobal, as many of you are aware, he broke his back in a car accident a few weeks ago. And now look at him now. He's with us and we get to celebrate what God has done. But I work with these guys, and uh, Oscar and Edward speak very un poquito, poqui, poco, poco, uh, English, very little English. But Edwin and uh, Cristobal, they become good friends. And um, as 
an example of who God brings into our lives that we never expect. You ask them what countries they're from. They're from all over the world, but God brings the mission field to us that we could reach out to them. And I want us to celebrate in prayer God's goodness, but I'm so glad that you guys are with us today. So these T's, remember, you can golf, but you can't golf now. These T's are a reminder that God will tee things up for you. You just have to follow through. God gives us prayer requests. Do we believe in him enough that we pray so he can answer? When he tees something up for you, go to prayer and fast and believe that God will heal and do miraculous things. Won't you lead us? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can come to you in prayer at every moment, every second of every day, as long as we have breath. We thank you, Lord, for the answer to our prayers. We thank you and are so blessed to have Chris with us today and just the miracle of healing, the miracle of your presence in his life to demonstrate to us the power of our prayers. Many of us had never met Chris, and yet we lifted him in prayer to you and praise you, Lord, for hearing us and for giving him the healing and the opportunity of a bright future ahead of him. Lord Jesus, as we enter this season of Advent, we continue to pray that you would lift up those who are suffering in valleys. And yet, Lord, remember that even in our darkest valleys, we can still praise you, praise you for your love, for your hope, for your presence. And it's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Sing, why are the angels singing and 
Well, thank you so much, Pat and Allison. You may be seated, and um, so good to worship this uh, second Sunday of Advent with you. And uh, we're so fortunate that uh, you are a part of our church, that you contribute so that we can give and reach out to others. And whether it's online, end of the year giving, however uh, you choose to give, we thank you for your faithfulness so that we can reach out to others in, uh, in those ways, in practical ways. And we're fortunate that we get to uh, stream, whether good or bad, we get to use uh, the internet, to use the web, to share this message of hope that we have in Jesus, because without Jesus, why would we be here? It's nice to see friends. It's good to uh, be hugged. But without Jesus, you are still left uh, without hope. You get temporary happiness, but you don't have that joy that comes from knowing Jesus. So we get to uh, assemble together and share those things with one another. As we look at the book of Acts, we uh, were reminded, or at least last week, I'm going to go back to Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the word of God. Paul stayed there how many months? 18. For you guys, quick math, a year and a half, 18 months Paul spent with them that they might know and understand. This makes me think of a quote that I heard. And as we look for uh, New Year's resolutions, whether you do that or not, at the end of one year, I always think about the next, as most of us do. Leaders are readers. Leaders are learners. Leaders are listeners. Leaders are readers, learners, listeners. Are we reading? Are we taking in information that God might just give his blessing on that we can act in wisdom so we can reach out, understanding that God does not want us to be the same? If somebody said, well, I've been out of high school for 30 years now. 30 years, that's like ridiculous, but 30 years. And if somebody from high school, if we had a reunion and they said, ah, that's the same old Jeff. I might like it if like the same, like tall, dark, and handsome, uh, the great basketball player, the communicate, like that'd be really good. But if it's, oh, that's the same old insecure 17, 18 year old that I remember back then, that's not what you want to hear. Oh, that's the same old, and you insert your name. Don't put old, the same uh, whatever old people are. You guys are, um, I don't know, vintage. You guys are vintage. It's, we don't want to be the same old. We want to learn. So in those 18 months, what could we learn in 2024? I try to ask God for a word each year. Frankly, by February, I forget what the word was. So I don't know if my word last year was resilient or if that was from two years ago. So maybe it was from three years ago. I don't know. But I feel like, it felt like God was telling me resilient. So a sneak peek into uh, what's coming. God changing you may bring conviction to others. We have to get that. I don't know if I skipped a slide. Sneak peek for next year. The word, I'm all over the place. 
The word for 2024 for me that it seems like God's giving me is be, you can see that word, you can read that word, be, be, that means every day you're going to do something that you want to do. I tried to think of a picture of like before and after pictures, but I didn't know if those were appropriate to put on the screen during church. So I did not uh, put those on. But be consistent before and after. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. This is what I feel that God has given me the verse for this next year. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable, consistent. So we look at uh, Matthew 25. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Does anybody know of this parable? You've heard of this story. This guy, the owner, the boss, he went on a trip. So he gave money to uh, his employees and said, hey, these are your talents. Do something with them. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account on how they had used his money. God has said, I have created you with a purpose. You have talents. There's something about you that is different than everyone else in the world. Something about you is so distinct, so precise, so created with purpose by my very breath, God says, that you can do something that only you can do right now. How are you investing those skills? How are you living that life? How are you reaching out to others that they might know Jesus in their own special particular way that they might understand that God is for them? Well, in this parable, there was a return for some, but those are the one that hit it. There was no return. Let's not hide what God's given us in this new year. That's why Paul spent 18 months, a year and a half with this church that they might learn. Don't just come to church over and over and not get anything. Hey, what did you learn this year? Eh, God answered some prayers. God didn't answer others. If that's all we got from 2023, I believe we missed out. But there's a new day, this day, and hopefully a new year that is right around the corner that we can intentionally say, God, I want to be different at the end of 2024 than how I began. One that's filled with new hope, a new vision, new experiences of you using me. So we go on Acts 18, 12 through 13. <clears throat> but when this guy became governor of this place, some Jews rose up together against Paul and brought him before the governor for judgment. Wait, what? Paul spent 18 months teaching the truth, and then people, Jews, rose up against him. They accused Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. So they lied. How do we know they lied? Well, this guy, Galileo, he says they did. The Jews were claiming that Paul was advocating a religion not recognized by the Roman law as Judaism was. So the people that Paul was preaching to, the people that God was uh, saying, this is the reality of who Jesus was, the people that God was going to church with and saying that this is how we're supposed to live <coughs> because Paul had been changed and it was evident for everybody to see people that did not want to change were convicted. 
Because Paul was changed and it was so real that it brought conviction. Like if God did that in your life, Paul, if God did that in your ministry, then maybe God wants me to adjust or change or get things out of my life so I could also follow. So there was there was division. But just as Paul started to make his defense, Galileo turned to Paul's accusers and said, listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, I would have reason to accept your case. So this guy with a G, he was in charge. He was the one that knew how things were to be done. He's like, there's nothing to be seen here in essence, but since it is merely a question of words and names of your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. This guy was admired as a man of exceptional fairness and calmness. This was not what we would say a Christian man. This guy did not have a moral compass based on Jesus in the Bible. This guy was just one that had a common sense, one that saw like, hey, what you're saying is a lie. Like this does not need to be brought to my courtroom. You guys get out of here. But since it is merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw it out of the courtroom. He threw it out because there's nothing that was worthwhile. So the crowd then grabbed Sothenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. But Galileo paid no attention. What just took place? What just happened? Sometimes uh, take you behind the scenes. When you read scripture, a sermon pops out. And you're like, hey, this can preach. This is awesome. And this is one of the troubles, I guess, of going through a book of the Bible. You hit these passages. We're like, ah, how am I going to make that a sermon? Or God, what do you want to say to us through this? So the crowd then grabbed Sothenes, the leader of the synagogue, and beat him right there in the courtroom. Well, this is why you have study Bibles, and it's been said, and I uh, took what this guy said, and I use it for us. You could buy, well, it was said in a youth group setting, so no youth group members here, so don't be offended. He said, so you could go and buy an immodest piece of apparel that costs you $150 that you're just not going to like and throw out in six months, or you could spend $20 on a Bible dictionary or on a Bible like thesaurus that tells you and explains different things to you that brings life and meaning to scripture, I would suggest that that's what we need to interpret these verses. When it says that Sothenes, the leader of the synagogue, Sothenes, the leader of the synagogue, it's been suggested that this guy had a different name. Uh, I know visiting Chris in the hospital, I said, Chris Medina. They said, we have no Cristobal Medina. I said, well, I have no idea what his name is, but they used his middle name as his last name in the hospital. But I'm glad there's not many Cristobals because I said, well, is there a Cristobal? They said, yeah, come on in. So um, th there's different names. Sothenes, it said that he could be in verse 8, the same leader of the synagogue, Crispus, who he and everyone in his family believed in the Lord. So verse 17, they grabbed the leader why would they grab the leader? Because he believed in the Lord, him and his own household. They said that what you're trying to present is not the truth. What you're trying to raise up is division. Perhaps this was another thought. He was the second ruler of the synagogue at Corinth to become a Christian in response to Paul's preaching. In uh, 1 Corinthians, it mentions this guy's name again. The reason why I bring that up, 
His name is not just mentioned right here in Acts. His name is mentioned again later in the writings of Paul. Why that matters is because he not he did not just follow this one time and then he was beaten and then he stopped following. He followed to the point he was beaten, but that beating did not stop him from being named again as a follower of Jesus. Just because he went into a hard situation, just because it was unfair, just because life didn't make sense, just because his theology didn't match his experience, he did not give up on Jesus and say, hey, forget you, God, I'm going to do my own thing. He was mentioned here. He was mentioned as being beaten, and he's mentioned later on because he knew that God was faithful and true. The crowd grabbed him. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time after that, then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters and went to nearby uh, this place. I can't pronounce these names. There he shaved his head according to Jewish custom. I thought, I really did. I thought maybe I'll shave my head or at least get a haircut, make my mom proud. But the only reason why he shaved his head is because he made a covenant. He made a promise. And once that promise was complete, then he could cut his hair. I have not made any promises. So I'm not going to cut my hair until, you know, it gets really long. But so that's the reason why he cut his hair, because the promise had been fulfilled. Then he set sail for Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. A couple points I want to uh, show you. Priscilla and Aquila, who are you learning from, walking with, and investing in? Who are people that you reach out to, to pray for, to learn from, to say, what are you reading in your devotions? I just finished this devotional. I want to read something else. What have you been experiencing? What's God been teaching you? How can we walk and learn together as Christians? They stopped uh, first at the port of Ephesus, where Paul left and uh, um, left Aquila and Priscilla. Ephesus is important. We'll get to that here. Where did he stop? First place, Ephesus. Where did he stop? Where did he stop? Which was a leading commercial city in Asia Minor. So when we think about God leading us, sometimes we just think, eh, wherever he leads us. But God leads us to certain places for specific uh, opportunities. If you, I don't know how to say this, but if you want to make an impact, God's going to lead you where the people are. Now, I know there's some people that go to their secret quiet place and they're all alone and God can build you up and you can intercede and you can fast and pray. But sometimes God leads you to specific destinations that can help you. It can help you financially. It can help you with um, uh, people knowing who you are with networking, it can help you because God does not want us to possess this gift that we have all to ourselves. He wants us to present it in places that we might think, ah, they're so far from God that they can never receive his salvation. God is intentional at different points in life to take us to specific places. Maybe that's why you guys are here from all over the world, because for this time, we as a church need to learn from you and your faith and what God has done. Maybe for a time, God's going to lead you somewhere, and you say, why am I here? Like we go to Caesarea, the headquarters of the Roman forces, their occupation. Why would he take you into enemy territory? Because God has a special plan for you. Now, going back up, they stopped 
in Ephesus where Paul left the others behind, Aquila and Priscilla. While he was there, he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews. Whenever Paul went to the synagogue, the Christian place, the holy place, the place of meeting for believers, what happened to Paul? He got beat up by the ones that he was trying to present the truth, by the ones that were already there. He got beat up by them, but he kept going. Why? Because there was a passion inside of him because he knew his life before Jesus, and then he knew his life after Jesus, and his life after Jesus was so much better that he couldn't help but share with others about what Jesus could do and change his life. They asked him to stay longer, but he declined, which was kind of interesting. But it's also a reminder, just because someone wants you to stay doesn't mean you have to stay. It means we have to commit our lives to hearing the voice of God that is consistent with Scripture and responding in obedience to Him. Hear the voice of God consistent with Scripture and being obedient to that call. So if God says, go, and your friend says, no, stay, it's best to obey God. The next stop was at this place where the Romans occupied. From there, he went up and visited the church at Jerusalem and then went back to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia and this place, visiting and strengthening all the believers. There's several times in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, in this book that we've been talking about, reading over, studying for so long, that Paul went to strengthen the believers. I don't know if you've been ever a part of a church, certainly not since you've been attending here, but maybe you have at other places where you would go to church and you felt worse when you left. You felt like, ah, I need Jesus. And then you left like, uh, does Jesus even want me? And yes, he does. And his forgiveness and his grace and his love for you is why he gives you opportunity, why he gives you joy, why he says there's a way, there are people, there's a process that you have to walk in, but you are surrounded by love. We need to be a church, a place where we strengthen the believers. Well, Jeff, I'm really discouraged right now. I don't know if I believe in God. We don't say, oh, well, you need to get over yourself and you need to start believing. We say, hey, There's many examples in the Bible that they felt the same way. But know that God is faithful. And if you keep walking in obedience, if you keep seeking God's face, as you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you will be filled. You will taste and see that he is good. You will know that his goodness was not just for a time back then, was not just for Billy Graham or whatever saint you want to call on from the past, was not just for somebody else, but it's for you as well, that we can strengthen and encourage one another. So when do you come to church, do you feel encouraged? Hopefully. When you leave church, do you have an idea of who can I encourage this week? Well, that's the plan for this new year that we would consistently seek out someone to encourage throughout the week. In Acts, one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and told him, don't be afraid, speak out, don't be silent. This maybe is what we need to pray if we want to be found faithful, if we want to be consistent. What we spoke on last week, we need to pray that God would give us a vision. For God would say to us, I am with you and no one will attack or harm you. For many people in the city belong to me. God would remind us that we are not alone. God would tell us that we can do the hard things because it's worth it. 
Not because it's easy, but we could do the hard things because it's worth it. Sosthenes, who got beat up for his faith, still lived on another day that others would know God's testimony through him. In Isaiah, we read these words, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Cristobal, come on up here. For I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. And then we look, Isaiah, so much prophecy for the advent. You can come over here. Let's put you on camera. You can use the mic. Don't be afraid. Come on over. You don't, you can. No, but I want you over here. Okay. <laughs> don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. So, I don't know how much you want to share. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions. I know. So, Chris, you have to speak to the microphone. Uh, the other day, and I always feel bad because he's like, not just your prayers. I was like, well, my prayers are pretty good. But he says, not just your prayers, but Yolanda too. Can you just share when people prayed for you, how that made you feel? Well, it was strange at first. I'm a Jeff. The last two months always asked me to come to the church. I would not used to because I spent 12 years in a Catholic school. So I thought like, okay, I'm all over God. I'm not, I'm done. But after the crash and after the accident, uh, Jeff started praying in the hospital with me and Yolanda too. And after that, I started to feel something. I'm starting to feel good all of a sudden. And after, I don't know, maybe three visits, I start walking again. And I tell them, like, it feels good. Even for me that I'm not used to pray, I feel, I feel something. So. Thank you. Now, uh, Nick, uh, our friend is still in the hospital, so we want to pray for, for Nick. But um, as I was preparing and I came or found this first. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold, hold you up with my victorious right hand. And what a reminder that in God's faithfulness, in his sovereignty, in the middle of tragedy, in the middle of tragedy, we can find Jesus and the hope that he gives. So um, if you would, just extend a hand. We're just going to pray uh, for Chris, but also for Nick. And um, just it's a sign of agreement with your hand raised to you. So Jesus, we just lift up Nick. We ask that you would encourage him, that you would touch his body, but help his mind to be strong and to be healed. So Father, we just pray also for Chris, for his parents and his brother that travel in today. Give them safety. But God, what you've begun in Chris, may he dare to believe to know that you will lift him up, that you have saved him for a purpose, that we can know that you are good and that you are for us. So may we walk in obedience. May we share your love. And we say thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Chris. So just as we close, um, this is when he walked.
And then I said, Chris, where do you want to go when we left the, uh, the hospital? And like every person that, well, visits America, where do they want to go? McDonald's. So we went to McDonald's and we got ourselves a Big Mac. And uh, what, a, what a great time it was. But as we look, and I hope this is not prophetic, I just... I just think of Chris and what he's had to endure, but it makes me think of Sosthenes. I just pray that in three years, five years, 10 years, we hear about Chris continuing his journey of faith of Jesus and of God. That it didn't just happen when tragedy struck, but it kept going because God is faithful. And Chris found the hope of salvation in Jesus. So, Pat and Allison, if you would just close in, in a song, or Pat, you can lead uh, by yourself. But um, God is so good, and he's so faithful. And reality is, we don't always have stories of Chris walking around after tragedy. A lot of times we have sorrow and mourning that follow a tragedy. But Jesus... Oh, how good Jesus is. Let us trust in him and follow him. So God, we thank you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.